You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC 265 event, which takes place in Houston, Texas. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC 265 features a 13-fight card in total and will be aired on UFC Fight Pass, ESPN+, ESPN2, and Pay-Per-View this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a Bantamweight fight featuring Johnny Munoz Jr., who is 10-1, and and Jamie Simmons, who is 7-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? As always, a couple quick notes here before we get started. The opening betting odds that I will be referring to are from MMAOddsBreaker.com, our opening betting odds article for UFC 265 done by Adam Martin. And again, they are market opening prices, so make sure you head over to MMAOB and check out the opening betting odds article. Also, make sure you head over to UFC Fight Pass and check out UFC On The Line for UFC 265. We did our betting show. It's, it was fun. It was a great show. All of my official bets are on that show so make sure again head over to fight pass if you do not have a subscription just the show alone is worth it but all the great content of fight of course fight footage and fight events that are on fight pass are well worth it as well so check out ufc fight pass ufc on the line and of course one last thing for those of you wondering if we're kind of giving up on the odds cast here we are not i've had a busy life as of late so my apologies for not being as consistent as we have i mean the podcast has been around for about a decade now so we've produced a lot of shows for you guys free of charge of course and we appreciate all of you listening. So we are here to continue the odds cast. I've just had, again, busy personal life. We just moved into a new house here in Vegas with my family and I. Um, just a lot of work in that sort of way. So apologies for not being as consistent as we'd like to be. But again, moving forward, we do plan on doing the odds cast as much as possible. So it might not be every week, but more times than not, you will be able to find us by fight day here on MMAOddsBreaker.com and the Ozcast. So again, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will have a lot more to come. Okay, now getting into the fights, of course, the updated betting odds that I will be referring to are from Circus Sports here in Las Vegas or in Colorado. So if you're anywhere in Colorado, anywhere in Nevada, make sure you download the Circus Sports app and check out our lines and get in on the betting action as well. So updated odds via Circus Sports. Right now over at Circus Sports, we currently have Munoz Jr. minus 290, the comeback on Simmons at plus 245. So Munoz Jr. steamed up heavily here from the minus 150 price tag. I understand it. That's definitely a great price to take. Anything under 200 is just basically stealing, I think, on Munoz Jr. in this spot. I understand he came in and suffered a defeat in his UFC debut. Showed a lot of good in that fight, though. I mean, obviously his gas tank was a little bit of an issue, and he ended up losing that fight. But that being said, again, his UFC debut, a little bit of octagon jitters, I believe. I think that he will probably show a little bit better here in this fight. And if he drills that conditioning, which I think he's capable of doing a little bit more, I don't think it'll be as big of an issue. So that being said, he has a tough opponent in front of him with Simmons. Simmons is a dangerous guy, especially on the feet. Um, He kind of has a little wild, aggressive style to his game, but I think he's going to run into problems here with Munoz Jr. because Munoz Jr. is the better wrestler. He's got the better ground game. And I think he's going to be able to put Simmons on his back and try to utilize that grappling advantage that he has. So The betting odds where they are right now is a little bit tough for me. I mean, I think they've been bet up a little bit too much, to be honest with you. I do love Simmons. Um, I should say Munoz as a favorite, but at minus 290, I think you have to stay away from it. The value has been extracted already. So it's a dogger pass situation where the current line is right now on Simmons, but I don't necessarily like that side. So I do like Munoz Jr. I think he wins the fight. And if you didn't get on around minus 200, minus 220 or so, stay away from it at this point. Don't even put it in a parlay because I think, again, the value is gone. So my pick is Munoz Jr. I think he probably wins this fight by submission. If not, I think he can get enough takedowns and grinding Simmons out enough to win other scorecards as well. And I'm right with you. Uh, I just think Munoz is by far the more well-rounded fighter of the two here. Um, he's decent enough on the feet to hold his own with Simmons, although I would say Simmons is the better striker. Uh, but on the ground, Munoz is the better wrestler, and uh, Munoz is way better in terms of submissions. I mean, he's elite there. So 
really the only thing going against Munoz right now is the fact that conditioning is a question mark. Um, you saw that in his fight against Maness uh, in his uh, you know last last time out in August. He showed up and was looking good, dominated even in the first round, and then he just ran out of gas and Maness was able to turn the tides and win a decision after losing clearly in the first round. So the only thing I'm concerned about in this fight whatsoever pretty much is whether or not Munoz runs out of steam again. So if he can get this to the floor and take care of business, he might even not have to worry about that because he can get a submission in the first round. But uh, if he doesn't get a submission in the first round, I'd be a little concerned, but I'm hoping he's put those issues a little bit behind him and that even if that doesn't happen, uh, maybe he can at least win the first two rounds. And if he does gas, he doesn't get finished in the third round. So I'm going to go with Munoz here, but just be a little bit careful, especially with the odds the way they are, especially also considering that conditioning is an issue with him. So Munoz is my pick, however. Now, dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Victoria Leonardo, who is 8-3, and three, taking on Melissa Gatto, who is 6-0-2. Oh, now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Gato open minus 110. Leonardo open minus 110. Exactly a pick-em type of fight. And as we stand here now at Circus Sports, is Gato minus 120. Even money on Leonardo. Now, Gato did get bet up early on a little bit more than that. Then action coming back in on Leonardo as well, market-wide. So, tough fight. I mean, Gato, of course, you got to respect her pre-UFC ability, meaning that her resume isn't that great, but she does have a win over Rosa on her record, which Rosa is a very accomplished UFC fighter so far, at least. I mean, she hasn't had a lot of fights in the UFC, but what we've seen from Carol Rosa has been phenomenal. And, and having a win over a future contender like that is impressive for sure before you make your UFC debut. But outside of that, if you look at Gato's record, it is definitely unimpressive. I mean, she has not faced a level of competition Leonardo has. So that's one feather in Leonardo's cap here for sure. There's a lot of unknowns, of course, in Gato. I mean, She's making her UFC debut at 125 pounds as well. She normally fights at 135 pounds. So Gato, with the weight cut, is going to be interesting. I think it's probably going to be a better situation for her for sure. Um, and again, the time off that she's had. She's been out for a long time. So Leonardo has been a little bit more active. Um, and again, her loss to Firo in her debut, Leonardo's um, fight in the UFC after the Contender Series, of course, didn't go her way, but Fiero is a nasty, nasty fighter. We know that. So that's not necessarily a bad loss. You've got to give Leonardo a little bit more respect than her last performance for sure. And I think she is the more well-rounded fighter here in the spot. But I just don't think she's impressed me enough as a whole to pick her quite yet over Gato. So as Yanni the Greek and I would like to say on the UFC Fight Pass show, potential sometimes over credentials and i think that's a spot here for gato i mean i'm basically picking her to win this fight here i think she's going to show up her stand-up game i'm expecting to get a little bit better with her time off improve in that area of course ground is where it's at with her so i think she is going to come in and compete on the feet and do well enough and if this fight hits the ground i think she has a bigger advantage over leonardo as well so i am going to go with potential over credentials right now at this moment and i will pick gato to win this fight but again you cannot sit here and bet this fight with extreme confidence with all the situation right now that we're like basically at with Gato not fighting for a long time and that record and resume not being overly impressive. So I would probably stay away from this fight as a whole from a betting perspective. But as far as a pure pick goes, I think Gato is going to show up here and impress. So I'm going to go her way. And I understand the Gato pick because there's a, but there's a lot of uncertainty there, a lot of variables because she did look good getting that, Triangle Kimura finish against Carol Rosa in her last fight. But again, that was three years ago. Um, the thing that makes her intriguing, though, is that she's even having not fought in three years, she's still just 25 years old. So, I mean, there is just so much that a fighter that was 22 can grow in three years. And I don't think that, you know, injuries have been the only reason she hasn't fought in that time. I mean, I really think that she's had an opportunity to grow. Um, although she has had three separate octagon debuts delayed. Um, so yeah, there's just, there's a lot of uncertainty though with Gato. Uh, if she has exploded in terms of development 
of her skills, then yeah, I think she can win this fight. But Leonardo, uh, she was uh, uh, a decent striker with a dangerous grappling attack, very aggressive uh, ground game uh, on her contender series fight, who ran into one of the top prospects in the division in uh, Fioro, as Nick mentioned. So I think Leonardo has a lot more ability than what we've seen in the UFC, at least. Uh, and uh, Gato, while she is pretty dangerous with submissions, I don't think her wrestling is at that same level. Uh, even in that win that she had against Rosa in her last fight, um, she got uh, taken down a couple times. So I think Leonardo should be able to get takedowns and keep her down. Um, it's just going to boil down to can Gato work a submission? Can Gato get things going on the feet? Could Gato utilize her grappling to get a sweep or something like and maybe reverse the position? Uh, those are all things that I'm curious about, but I just can't trust what I haven't been able to see. So I'm going to go with the devil I know, and that is that Leonardo is and has more recently showcased some very aggressive uh, takedown games. And I think that she can do that against Gato, and I think she can do it without getting submitted. So my pick is going to be uh, Victoria Leonardo. But again, I totally understand Gato, especially if she has improved significantly in her time off. Now, moving back up to the Bantamweight division. We have Miles Johns, who is 11-1, taking on Anderson Dos Santos, who is 21-8. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Johns, minus 200. Dos Santos, plus 170. That was the opening price. Right now, over the circle, we have Johns, minus 215. The comeback on Dos Santos at plus 185. Now, this fight was rebooked, canceled due to COVID issues or whatnot. And then, it, you know, obviously you got rebooked to this card a few weeks later. So we already broke this fight down. I still feel the same way about this. I mean, unfortunately the price is a little bit higher than it was last time around. I mean, we were able to get Johns around minus 170, minus 180. And I think there was value, honestly, at Johns, especially under minus 200. I mean, I, I think it's a Johns or pass situation now, even now at the price of minus 215, to be honest with you. I have respect for Dos Santos. I think he's an extremely dangerous opponent. I think he does have the ability to possibly hurt Johns on the feet, he's got the ability to definitely submit most people on the ground as well. So Dos Santos is a well-rounded fighter, but the problem is I don't think he's really clearly better than Johns in any particular area. That means defensively sometimes Johns is definitely a bit concerning, but other than that, I think he's going to have the speed advantage. I think he has an overall striking advantage. I think he has a wrestling advantage here as well. So on the ground, I think he probably gets top position more often than not. And if he can avoid that guillotine choke that Dos Santos has, I think he's in good shape. So for me, it's, it's Miles Johnson's fight to win or lose. So I have to go with him here. I'm going to pick him to win. I think that he has the ability to maybe even finish this fight, but if not, he wins on the scorecard. So the pick is Johns, and I do think it's kind of a favorite pass situation. Of course, as a line creeps up to minus 215 where it is now and, and beyond, you have to be careful because I wouldn't necessarily recommend a bet, especially not long ago we could have got this, like I said, at minus 170, minus 180. That's a much better price than laying almost two and a half to one or so. So the pick is Johns. Just be careful and cautious of the betting window. We've already broken down this fight the last time before it got canceled at the last minute. So... You know, my position really hasn't changed here. Uh, Dos Santos still does pose a legitimate threat with dangerous submission skills, but Johns is the better striker. Johns has the better wrestling. So I don't really see Dos Santos having a great opportunity to utilize those submission skills unless Johns shoots for a takedown and leaves himself exposed. Um, so overall... Uh, Johns should just be able to outpoint Dos Santos over the course of three rounds and win a decision here. I mean, I, I think it could be kind of boring, uh, but I mean, that's the smart game plan. If you're Johns, just utilize the strength that you have. And that is the fact that he is a very well-rounded fighter. And Dos Santos is a lot more one-dimensional in terms of that elite skill. And Johns should be able to avoid that elite skill, uh, with his own, utilizing his own skill set. So, uh, plain and simple, uh, just like before, I'm going to go with Miles Johns to win by decision. Now, dropping down to the flyweight division, we have uh, Manel Kopp, who is 15 and 6, taking on Ode Osborne, who is 9 and 3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers' perspective on this one? 
Cop open minus 200, Osborne plus 170. And right now over Circa, we have minus 195 for Cop, the comeback on Osborne plus 170. So minus 195 plus 170. Line did creep up to over 200 at one point. It dipped down below to minus 185-ish or so at one point as well. So there is two-way action coming in on this fight market-wide. Look, I've been riding high on Cop since his UFC debut. I expect a lot from this guy. I think from what we've seen pre-UFC in Japan, this guy has a lot of potential, man. Uh, just dynamite on the feet, explosive. He's come over to the States, got his wrestling up to par in, in most cases. I mean, I think he's definitely a hard guy to take down and control. His offensive wrestling has gotten a lot better. And, of course, again, dynamite on the feet. The problem with him is inactivity and sometimes flat IQ. He doesn't really – you know, press the action as much as you'd like him to do so. And he's got himself in very competitive fights against solid competition, of course. So it's not necessarily something that you want to be overly concerned with because losing to Nicolau and Pantoja in, in your first two fights in the UFC is not necessarily a bad thing. So I do understand that and I respect that. And this should be a much better spot for Cop. But the problem here is the unknowns and the intangibles, I think, on the other side of it for Osborne. Osborne is making his debut at 125. So he's going to physically have a little bit of reach in size over cop cop i think obviously he's a little bit physically stronger even though they, both these guys are going to be chiseled and obviously ripped and powerful and athletic frames for sure so but that being said again pure power goes to cop but the advantages on the feet the length i mean some of those attributes you really just can't overcome at times i think cop is probably good enough and keen enough on the feet to adapt and with time kind of get through that length ability of Osborne and probably do some damage and maybe possibly catch Osborne to put him out. I understand that, but I still think Osborne will have some success on the feet offensively for a while. I think he is the better ground fighter. I think cop might have the better wrestling, but he's going to have to fend off some serious submission attempts from Osborne as well. So at the price, I do believe it's a dog or pass situation. I think you cannot bet cop at minus 200. I think this fight should be a lot closer to a pick type of fight with a slight, slight lean towards cop. So as a pure pick, if it's 50% or so, I have to pick cop because I think he does win this fight more than 50% of the time. But as far as betting value goes, I do believe Osborne is worth a look or it's a dog or pass situation at least. But the pick is going to be cop. And I'm going to go with cop. Uh, the main reason is I just think in terms of striking skill, he is the superior technical striker and he can outpoint Osborne. I'm a little bit concerned about Osborne dropping down a weight class and utilizing that length, but I think Cop is good enough on the feet to kind of ignore that reach disadvantage. Um, the other thing is, you know, Cop did miss weight. I'm concerned about that. How is he going to perform? Did he have a really bad, ugly weight cut? Um, Osborne also is the superior ground fighter, but Cop has showcased very good takedown defense historically and in his time in the UFC. The the only real thing I'm a little bit worried about is the fact that Cop has been uh, a bit frustrating so far in his UFC run. Now, I understand him losing the, the fight to Pantoja. You know, Pantoja's legit. And Nicolau had a nice little run before in the UFC, but I still think that he, that cop should have got the decision in his last fight against Nicolau. Uh, that being said in both fights, he was a lit, he was too passive. Um, he needs to be more aggressive. He is too good technically on the feet to allow these guys to, uh, get things going against him offensively and even have the opportunity to steal a decision, uh, on the judges scorecards. And if he's passive again, uh, even though I don't think Osborne is as good technically as Cop on the feet, he might be able to make up for it with aggression. So uh, I'm going to go Cop, but I do think this fight is closer than the betting odds indicate because uh, Cop has been a little bit frustrating with that passivity. So I'm picking Cop, but just be careful out there. Now dropping down to the women's strawweight division... We have Carolina Kovalkiewicz, who is 12 and 6, taking on Jessica Panay, who is 13 and 5. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Kovalkiewicz opened minus 180, Panay at plus 155. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, Kovalkiewicz minus 125, Panay plus 05. So, dog money coming in on Panay. I understand it. Respect it. I think the line did get overpriced, especially Kovacavich in 2021. I mean, if you look at her last four fights, you're kind of scratching your head and thinking, what happened 
to this contender. I mean, again, look at the quality competition. So you can respect her opponents, but still she's kind of a declined version of herself. I mean, and, and it's evident it's on film. It's right in front of her eyes. So I think pre four fight losing streak, I think Kovalkiewicz would come in here as the rightful opening type of price favorite, meaning minus 180, minus 200 over Penne. And, but in this spot here, again, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm as confident, obviously, as I would have been back in the day here. But Penne, and on the other hand, I know she had that long layoff, but coming in and getting a, a really solid win over Godney's in her last fight, I think propelled her confidence to an, another level. And she's always had skill everywhere the fight takes place, meaning on the feet, whether you like it or not, I mean, she's not a bad fighter. She pushes a high pace usually. She counterpunches well. She's got that length. She's got probably above average striking for sure overall on the feet. I mean, more than like people would like to admit, I think, sometimes. But the ground game is where it's at with her as well. I mean, she gets your back. She's able to sink in that choke more times than not. Um, she's very smart, very effective on the ground. Now, her wrestling isn't the greatest at times. But, I mean, she's opportunistic and able to, again, up against the cage, slide onto your back. Whatever mistake you make and give her the opportunity to hop on a submission or hop on your back or give her any kind of attempt on the ground, she's going to take it. So that's the danger you have to put up with Penne. So I do think she has the grappling advantage on this fight. And I think on the feet, it will be close, even though Kovalkiewicz has, I think, more of the pure power. And she should be able to win the stand-up exchanges here. But I'm just not so sure, again, that my confidence level at this point of her career is there. So for me, I'm going to have to side with Penny as well. I just think she wants it more. She's a little bit more hungry to get the W's and to kind of climb that ladder, even though she's three years older. And, and again, she's had her difficulties and time off in personal life situations. But I still think right now at this point of her career, she is at a better mental and physical spot than Kovalkiewicz. So I'm going to pick Penny and uh, see how this works out, but not a confident pick here either, because again, Kovalkiewicz, I think, a few fights ago would definitely be the rightful favorite. She should be able to win this fight. But right now I'm picking Penny to win. Yeah. And, and I'm in a similar situation. Uh, Kovalkiewicz is on that four fight losing streak, but you also have to factor in that those four fights that she lost are all to really good fighters. I mean, Jessica Andrade, former champion, Michelle Waterson has been a top 10 fighter for about five years now. Um, Alexa Grasso is now a top 10 fighter at 125. And Zhao Yan was just fighting for potentially an opportunity to uh, get a shot at the belt. Um, so just very solid elite opponents that have all, granted, beat her convincingly. But still, those are the people that she's been fighting. Um, so I will say, you know, regardless that even though she has been fighting really good people, she d clearly is on a decline. And then you factor in that she hasn't fought in a year and a half. That being said, Pinay only fought the one time more recently. And before that was on a three fight losing streak and hadn't fought in four years due to some suspensions and a whole bunch of other uh, stuff that was going on with her. Um, but, uh, she did rebound and say what you want about her opponent who did not fight very smart and made a lot of mistakes to allow Panay to get the fight to the floor. And regardless, you could even argue that she should have lost the fight. Uh, she dug deep and was able to win a split decision against an undefeated up and coming prospect. So, uh, she definitely showed that, you know, she still has what it takes to, to be a UFC fighter. And with Kovalkiewicz, I'm not quite convinced that she has that much left in the tank. So uh, on the feet, Kovalkiewicz should still be the better fighter here. I mean, back at one point, she was, you know, hurting the champion in a title fight. So, I mean, she clearly can hold her own on the feet. And she should definitely be the better striker here. But Panay uh, has a big advantage if it goes to the ground. Uh, she has... Not particularly great wrestling, but her grappling is elite. And if and when it does go to the floor, I mean, she should be able to advance to a dominant position, take Kovalkiewicz's back. I think she could make it, you know, really scary for Kovalkiewicz on the ground. So I think uh, Kovalkiewicz will win the striking exchanges, but Pinay should be able to, uh, you know, maybe back her into the fence and grab a hold of her and try to drag her to the floor and start making things happen on 
maybe even, you know, pull guard, just do whatever it takes to get this fight to the floor and utilize those ground advantages. So I'm going to go with Panay, but uh, if Kavalkiewicz can kind of turn back time and find that fighter that fought for the belt, um, she could still win this fight, but she just has not shown me anything in her recent performances that says that she can do that. So I have to go with Panay. Now, moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Ed Herman, who is 25 and 14, taking on Alonzo Menafield, who is 10 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Menafield opened minus 140, the comeback on Herman at plus 120. Stealing money at minus 140, minus, one, minus 235 right now, currently at Circus Sports for Menafield and the comeback on Herman at plus 200. So from minus 140 to minus 235. Man, those of you guys get that cut on that early price. Again, hats off to you. Great bet made, win or lose. Of course, you guys want to get that W here, and I think you will get it with Menafield. I just think he's going to be too explosive, too fast, too strong. I mean, this version of Herman in 2021, I got to respect it. I mean, not many people could do – what Herman has done and, and the longevity of his career is phenomenal, man. I mean, so I have a ton of respect for Ed Herman, just a special, special type of fighter. I mean, throughout, like, again, he's 40 years old. It's still able to get some W's. I believe he's coming in off of a three fight win streak at age 40 in the UFC light heavyweight division. That is not an easy feat. So hats off to Herman. I just think Metafield though is going to probably end all of that right now. And, and this weekend, I mean, Metafield, though, it is a bit concerning defensively. His conditioning is a bit concerning as well. So if somehow Herman could survive round one, it will get interesting in round two and round three. And, of course, Herman still has that finishing potential and that finishing ability, whether it's on the ground or the feet. But that being said, I think he's going to probably end up getting sparked by Metafield here in this fight. So the pick is Metafield. Again, I told you guys hats off to you, win or lose, the price that you got on Metafield at minus 140. But at minus 235, it is a different bet, and it's a little bit more difficult to go crazy and bet Metafield at that price. So I wouldn't recommend going nuts on Metafield right now because of his defensive flaws and his chin and, again, his conditioning and the heart of Ed Herman. I mean, at this this point, you got to at least respect Herman where the line is. So. Another difficult one currently at the price, but that being said, I expect Menafield to win this fight in dominant fashion. And I'll go with uh, Menafield as well. Um, you know, Ed Herman is a savvy veteran. He is uh, a guy that is more than capable of going out there and knocking Menafield out. I mean, he has been around for a while, and Menafield, as we have saw in the OSP fight, did get knocked out. So he very clearly could uh, lose this fight. But more often than not, I think what is likely to happen is Menafield lands that big shot and knocks Ed Herman out. I just think that he is the, the better fighter here. He is the more dangerous fighter. He's faster. He's more athletic. He's got more pure punching power. Um, he does slow down a little bit. And as we saw, you know, you can never count Ed Herman out of a fight as what happened in that Rodriguez fight. But let's be honest, you know, Ed Herman is 40 years old. And while Menafield isn't a spring chicken at like 33, uh, I just think he has so much more left in the tank. Uh, so, I'm going to go with Menafield here. I mean, he, I think he almost certainly wins by knockout. Now, dropping down to the Bantamweight division, we have Draco Rodriguez, who is 7-2, taking on Vince Morales, who is 9-5. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Morales open minus 180. The comeback on Rodriguez at plus 155. Craziness, because right now it's actually Rodriguez minus 116. The comeback on Morales minus 104 at Circa. Look, I, I think Morales could win this fight, and I'm going to actually pick him to win. So I'll save the suspense here. But it is a very competitive fight. Rodriguez definitely can present a lot of problems to Morales in this spot. So him opening up a minus 180 favorite. And those of you guys, again, that got on Rodriguez at plus 155. Hats off to you because you got an incredible, incredible line. Now, that being said, 
I personally don't trust Rodriguez all that much. I, I understand. I mean, he shows flashes if you look back through his footage. I mean, this guy can put it together pretty well, has decent striking, the ability to hurt people on the feet. He's got a good ground game, top or bottom. So I like what I see from him. And, you know, there's a lot of buzz and hype around him for sure. But defensively, I mean, getting sparked in this last fight, not a great thing. You know, I understand as a hobby has that kind of power, but still defensively in previous fights as well with Rodriguez, you've seen him kind of take some shots that you nef- definitely would like to see him kind of avoid or do better defensively with. So I think he is very hittable and his chin is a bit of a concern for me, especially with the kind of power he's going to face on the other side of it with Morales. Morales is dropping back down to 135 pounds after his loss to Gutierrez. Um, again, this is going to be a very difficult fight because Rodriguez, I think, is the more well-rounded fighter here. So he, I can understand why he is in the very slight, slight favor right now, but it is a pick type of fight. So I'm going to side with Morales. I just think, again, as far as defensively concerned, both these guys have their moments and have their flaws for sure. But I do trust the durability a little bit more of Morales from what I've seen overall. I think this is going to be a firefight. It could be a spot where Morales is losing up until he's not type of situation. So for me, I just trust him a little bit more at this point, even if I think Rodriguez has better tools, if that makes sense, across the board. I still think Morales can utilize that power. He has decent wrestling in his own right, which he doesn't utilize as much as you'd like him to, obviously. But again, he he isn't a fish-out rider on the ground either. So I think even though Rodriguez has those advantages, I think Morales can do good enough to survive and then eventually uh, possibly finish Rodriguez along the way. And if it hits the scorecards, I think it will be very, very close and competitive. So at this point, I think it's a dog or pass situation. I am going to pick Morales to win this fight. I'm going to go the other way. Now, I totally understand that these guys have one opponent in common in Zahabi, and Morales starched him, and Draco got starched. I get that. But in terms of skills, I think Rodriguez is the more well-rounded fighter. I think he's the better wrestler. I think he can hold his own on the feet. I think he has the better ground game. Um, It just boils down to, can Morales land that huge right hand against him? And I'm not wholly convinced he can. So... I'm going to go with Rodriguez here. We've also seen Morales kind of get exposed a little bit, at least, with getting hit with leg kicks. So uh, this is a guy that has flaws. Um, So, again, I'm going to go with the fighter that I think has more ways to win. But I totally understand it because Morales has that lethal right hand. And we've already seen... Rodriguez get blasted with that right hand uh, from Zahabi. So it's totally possible that Morales uh, lands that shot and takes him out. But I'm going to go with Rodriguez. I think that he just has more paths to win. And I think that overall, he is just the better fighter. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Rafael Fiziev, who is 9-1, taking on Bobby Green, who is 27-11-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Fiziev opened minus 145, the comeback on Green at plus 125. Another spot where if you got in early, hats off to you, because right now Fiziev over at Circa Sports is minus 330. The comeback on Green at plus 275. So, wow. Big difference in the line. Of course, Fazeev at minus 145 is just stealing again. So, those of you guys that got on him, great price. Um, I do think he wins this fight. Obviously, his striking has been amazing. I mean, the work that, obviously, training other people, the striking coach at Tiger Muay Thai, we all know the background that he has. I mean, and it's showed in the octagon. I mean, just a special, special type of talent on the feet. Powerful for sure. But, at the current price tag of minus 330 over a solid vet like Bobby Green. And man, I think it might be getting a little bit too crazy, even though, again, I think Fazeev is in a good spot here because I think Green typically doesn't really like to play things out on the ground all that much. I mean, more times than not, he's using his wrestling defensively in reverse to keep the fight upright and not strike his opponents. Well, here, Fazeev is going to love that. He wants to keep this fight upright as well and strike with Green. He's obviously the better striker here. But I think as the fight progresses a little bit, if Green can weather that early storm, which, again, he, he has shown toughness in the past, and we know he's capable of doing so, it might get a little bit tighter around two and round three as it goes. So this is definitely a good test 
for Fazeev here, despite being a solid favorite and me believing he will get it done. I mean, he's been nothing but impressive thus far in the UFC. I like his kind of swag on social media, everything about him. I mean, again, it's he's definitely trending in the right direction across the board. Uh, and this, again, from the matchmakers, is just a good matched fight because you're giving a potential prospect at Fazeev a solid vet in green who's been there with some of the best of the best. And if he can get this W on his resume, he's going to keep on going in the right direction. So I am picking Fazeev, and I think he probably gets it done. If he doesn't get it done inside the distance, he'll probably win on the scorecards. But I think there is a shot that he could finish Green, especially as much punishment as Green has been absorbing as of late. And, of course, coming in that, off of that brutal weight cut in his last fight as well. I, I mean, just not as confident as I once was in Green. So this is a good spot and good time for Fazeev to get him here. So I am picking him to win. And I have to go with Fazeev as well. I mean, this is pretty straightforward. Uh Green is a savvy veteran and a capable striker, but Fazeev is a special striker. I mean, this guy can do things that Green can't even imagine. So pitted in a one-on-one striking battle, which I think almost certainly is what's going to happen here, uh, Fazeev should be able to just dance circles around Green. Uh, Green was on a nice little roll there in uh, the lightweight division, but you got to remember before that, he was in a 1-5-1 and slump. Uh, Fazeev is clearly a fighter on the rise in the lightweight division, and I think Green is a veteran that has started to decline at this point. Uh, Green does have a wrestling edge, so perhaps he could utilize that, but we really have not seen him utilize much of his ground game since, heck, way back around the time of his UFC debut, back when he was taking on, like, Volkman. So it's been a hot minute since Green has utilized that ground game effectively. Uh, we also saw Green uh, have his fight fall apart the last time against Jim Miller because he collapsed during the weigh-ins. So uh, you know, you have to be a little bit concerned about that as well. So I just think uh, in this type of fight, Fiziev should be able to outpoint Green, and I think that there's even a chance that Fiziev knocks him out. Uh, Green is pretty durable, but... Uh, I think Fazeev has the special type of striking skills that he will have an opportunity to land something that Green doesn't see coming, and I think that he can knock him out. So uh, I think Fazeev either wins by decision or by knockout. Now, moving on to the main card, we have a Bantamweight Clash featuring Yadong Song, who is 16-5-1, and, and Casey Kenny, who is 16-3-1. Now, Nick... Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Song open minus 125 to come back on Kenny, plus 105. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we have Kenny minus 115, Song minus 105. So line did flip. A lot of two-way action coming to this fight. Kenny was a bigger favorite not long ago. Now we're seeing money back on Song. I think it is going to be an intriguing fight, another well-matched fight by the UFC, of course, as well. Bantamweight division, man. A lot of buzz, a lot of excitement around it right now. I've, I think it's never been better, never been deeper. And, and these two are definitely top of the food chain type of fighters here for sure. Oh, man. I mean, honestly, for me, this is pretty clear cut. I mean, I, I like what I've seen from Song for sure. I think he has a lot of power. He's a special type of fighter. He's on the rise. I think he's got a lot of room for improvement. And he will do so. But I just think right now, at this moment of time, Kenny is better. I think he's a little bit more... I think capable is the right word I'm looking for, meaning that I think he can mix things up a little bit better. He can get some takedowns. He can make Song make enough mistakes along the way to outgrind him and to win on the scorecards here. So I do like Kenny. I think the stand-up will be close. I think Yudong's a little bit more dangerous, but Kenny, I think, is the more complete fighter and puts it together better at this point of his career, offensively and defensively, and I think it's going to show and he's going to win on the scorecards here. So for me, at a pickup type of price, I think it's a favor to pass situation, especially with Kenny being only around minus 115. I just think he's going to be able to mix in everything well enough to utilize his game plan and his way of winning this fight, and he gets it done here. So it will be competitive, make no mistake about it, and of course, Song is very dangerous with that power, but I think Kenny's been in there with some pretty good competition. I mean, throughout his career, some powerful punchers as well, and he's done okay. So it's his fight to win or lose, and I think he gets the W here. So I'm picking Kenny to win. And I'm going to go Kenny as well. Uh, 
Now, I have been a big fan of Yudong Song. I think that in terms of talent, uh, he is a rising star in the Bantamweight division, but he's still really young. And we've actually seen a bit of that youth exposed in his last three fights, whether it was the draw against Stamen, the fight that you arguably could say he lost against Vera, and then more recently, the fight he did lose against Phillips, a fight that he probably should have won. Kenny, while he isn't as powerful of a striker and probably not as technical of a striker as Song, um, I have to f- side with him because he is a more aggressive striker and Song doesn't respond that well when he is getting pressured. Kenny also has the advantage in terms of ground game by a pretty wide margin. So if he does get this to the floor, I think Song is going to be in some trouble. So I'm going to go with uh, with Kenny. I think that he pressures Song. I think that he puts him into tough situations. And I think that this is just a bad stylistic matchup for Song at this time in his career. Uh, Kenny is does not have the potential of Song, and I think in a, if this fight takes place in a year or two, I would have sided with Song. But at this exact moment in time, I have to go with uh, my gut, and that is with Casey Kenny. Now, moving on and dropping down to the women's strawweight division, we have a rematch featuring Tisha Torres, who is 12 and 5, and Angela Hill, who is 13 and 9. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Hill opens minus 120, Torres even money. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we have Torres minus 140, the comeback on Hill at plus 120. So line did flip market-wide. Now we're seeing Torres as a minus-140 favorite pretty much across the board. I think it's right. I think the line should be closer to minus-170, minus-180 for Torres to be exact. I understand all the love Angela Hill is getting as of late. She's been fighting fantastic. I mean, even her fights with Watterson and Gedalia have been really super close. So she could be on an incredible, I think, what, five or six-fight win streak or so. I mean, just improving her game all the time. One of the best strikers, for sure, at 115 pounds. But I think Torres, back-to-back wins, getting back on the winning side of things. She's a special, talented fighter. She's always been underrated throughout her career. I mean, if you look at her losses as a blade, it's been to quality competition. I mean, you can say the same thing about Hill, but I just think that that's where the kind of disrespect or the unawareness, I should say, if that's even the right word to use, for, for people that don't know Torres as much and remember any, some of these newer fans that don't respect her game. I mean, this girl has it all. She's a very complete fighter. She doesn't utilize that wrestling in the ground game as much as we like to see sometimes, but she does have it. She's capable of doing so. And that's a big advantage, honestly, she's going to have over Hill still um, in this spot here is the ground for sure. She can make things up. So I think on the feet, it's going to be close. I, I still give the advantage to Torres, despite Hill being a great striker and having a little bit of length here as well. But I think Torres just mixes things up better. And I think her stylistically, it just favors her on the cards for the judges, I think, more times than not. I mean, and I think it's going to show here in this fight. So I'm expecting a competitive fight for sure. But I think Torres wins at least two out of three rounds, maybe all three rounds in round two unanimous decision over Hill here. So I expect her to get the W here. And again, I think she should be a little bit of a higher favorite. But, I mean, as we know, high-level ladies MMA fights and mixing in the judges, you can never be overly confident when it hits the scorecards. But the pick for me is Torres. I think this one's pretty straightforward. Um, Torres is the faster fighter. She fights at a higher pace and volume. Um, Torres is, uh, I would say, more aggressive. And I think she's more technically sound, and she has really showcased some improvement. Uh, and I think that people were kind of disrespecting her a little bit um, in... Her little slump that she had where she lost four in a row. Now, it's not quite like uh, Kavalkiewicz's slump where even though they both lost four in a row, uh, Torres, every single one of those was either to three straight champions and then the top contender in the division. Um, and honestly, you pit her in there against uh, some of those fighters in a rematch. I think she might hold her own and maybe even win some of those fights. Uh, she is a really talented fighter and she has looked absolutely insane in her last couple fights so uh, against Van Buren and Hughes now granted Van Buren and Hughes are not at that same level as this the opponent she was facing before but she has looked like a world beater Hill on the other hand 
Um, she's been in there against some of the best in the world more recently, uh, against Gedelia, against Watterson. And while she lost split decisions, I mean, you could argue that she won those fights, especially the Gedelia loss. Um, had a nice performance the last time out against Yoder. Um, I just think, uh, this is, you know, while it's been a long time since they fought, the last time they fought, you know, Torres outstruck her. And, uh, I think that things haven't changed that much. Maybe Hill still has the power edge, but Torres has never showcased like that. She's had uh, any issues with her chin or durability. So I don't see Hill knocking her out. I don't even see Hill hurting her. I just think Torres pieces her up over the course of three rounds, frustrates her with her speed and volume and keeps Hill on the defensive. And I see Torres winning this rematch convincingly. So Torres is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Vicente Luque, who is 20, 20 wins, 7 losses, and a draw, taking on Michael Chiesa, who is 17-4. and four. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Luque opened minus 160, the comeback on Chiesa at plus 140. And right now, over at Circa, we have a pick exactly, minus 110 either way. Now, if you do listen to UFC Fight Pass, UFC on the line for UFC, UFC 265, I first said it there. I think there's extreme value, especially plus money on Chiesa. Also, UFC best bets on ESPN with Brett Okamoto and James Krause. I mentioned it there as well. Chiesa has some value. I think he should be a small favorite coming into this fight. So if you're getting even around a pick of price, I think you have to look his way. I get the respect that you have to give towards Luque as well. He's been fighting extremely well. I mean, beating top high-quality competition, coming off three very impressive wins. But that being said, I think stylistically he hasn't faced an opponent like this for a long, long time. And Chiesa knows what he has to do to win this fight. He has to get to the floor, control Luque, try to possibly even finish Luque on the ground. It wouldn't be out of the question. Luque has been submitted before in the past, even though he has a great jiu-jitsu game. And he's capable of finishing Chiesa on the ground. So that's the danger aspect of things for Chiesa. Because if this fight stays standing, Luque is going to probably piece him up and maybe even finish him on the feet. Of course, we know Chiesa's tough. But Luque has a distinct advantage on the feet. On the ground, it's not going to be easy for Kessa either because you have to be aware of Luque's chokes and his ability to finish fights on the floor as well. I do think Kessa is going to be well well prepared, and I think he's going to game plan perfectly here and get this fight to the ground and be able to utilize his takedown ability enough, especially in round two and round three, to win this fight. So if he could weather the storm, not get caught, I think it's his fight to win or lose. He could possibly win by submission and finish before it hits the scorecards. But if it does hit the cards, I think it's pretty clear that Kiesa is going to win this fight, to be honest with you. So despite Luque fighting out of this world looking great as of late, I think Kiesa's move to 170 benefited him well, and it's the right move to make. And I think he's going to win this fight and keep things rolling. So Kiesa is my pick. And again, it's a Kiesa or pass situation still at the price right now. And I'll go on the record and say that Kiesa is the not as talented as Luque in terms of well-rounded skill. Um, Luque is the superior striker. Uh, Luque is the more well-rounded fighter of the two. But Kiesa makes up for it with that tenacity. And I think what happens in this fight is we see Kiesa utilize the offensive wrestling and that kind of is the one chink in Luque's armor two of his three UFC losses have been against guys that were able to take him down and keep him down without getting submitted and I don't see Kiesa being able to submit uh Luque and or I don't see Luque being able to submit Kiesa and I think Kiesa as we've seen more recently against some very talented grapplers uh like Rafael Dos Anjos, he can just take them down and keep them down. And it's frustrating, but it works. So I think what happens in this fight is Luque gets taken down over the course of three rounds and Kiesa wins. So even though I think Luque is the better fighter, I have to side with Kiesa. Now, this brings us to the co-main event of the evening. We have a Bantamweight contest featuring Jose Aldo, who is 29-7. and 
taking on Pedro Munoz, who is 19 and 5. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers pers- what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Man, what a fight! Aldo opened minus one thirty-eight to come back on Munoz at plus one fifteen, and right now over at Circus Sports, we have Aldo minus one eleven to come back on Munoz at minus one hundred nine. So basically, a pick'em type of fight, and it's going to be a pick'em type of fight, in my opinion, for sure. Um, wherever you get the plus money is a way to bet this fight. If you don't get the plus money, I think it's it's a tough bet to make. But um, that being said, I'm going to side with Munoz here. I know Aldo has been great, especially since he dropped out of the Bantamweight division. I think it was the right move. I, I think he's got plenty left in the tank. So it's not really me thinking, oh, Aldo's done. He's a decline fighter. I just think that Munoz stylistically matches up fairly well with Aldo. It's going to be a firefight on the feet. I think Munoz is, is a more capable fighter, obviously, on the ground as well. It's going to be hard to take Aldo down with that amazing takedown defense. But, again, opportunistic and opportunities might come along that Munoz could jump on and, and take advantage if the fight does hit the floor. But either, even so, I should say, I think Munoz will still hang and, and do some damage on the feet. He stays a little bit busier. I think his cardio conditioning is a little bit better than Aldo as well. So I expect Munoz to win round three of this fight if he goes that long. And I expect him to possibly steal a round in the first or second. So I think he's going to win this fight 29-28 and get the scorecards. I think that's the type of fight it's going to be. But it will be extremely close and again Aldo is extremely dangerous still and we have to respect that I don't think he's looked bad and that win over Vera in his last fight you got to take your hat off to him Vera has come a long way and I think he's getting better he's no easy out so for Aldo to still show what he could do against kind of up-and-coming fighters that have shown improvement or that are a little bit younger than him and you know have that hunger and drive to still make it to the top he's picking some of these guys off that just says a lot about him so he's still at the top of the division for sure he's knocking on the door of a title fight so this is a huge fight for both the gentlemen. I just think that Munoz is going to get it done here, so I'm going to pick him to win. This is a tricky fight for me because Munoz looked incredible his last time out. He utilized those low kicks that really slowed down uh, Rivera in that rematch, one fight of the night. Um, but are they really going to work against Jose Aldo? I mean, low kicks are kind of his specialty. Uh, I think it it would really surprise me if that strategy was successful this time around. Uh, Munoz is a very talented uh, striker. Um, He's a very talented ground fighter, but I think Jose Aldo is just better. Aldo, you know, was the champ at 145 for so long. And while he has struggled, um, I just think that uh, the most likely outcome here is... Aldo getting a uh, winning a decision. I think uh, Aldo is going to be able to uh, outstrike Munoz. I think he's going to mix up the attack really well. I think he is starting to get more and more comfortable at Bantamweight. Uh, he looked really good against Vera, especially as that fight went on. Uh, I think three round fights are better for Aldo because he has shown that he does slow down in like those later rounds. Um, and I think that he can you know, utilize that superior striking technique to just outpoint Munoz. I think he's going to be faster than Munoz. And I think that he should have a slight power edge. Um, And again, because Aldo doesn't have that same boxing focus with a little bit of takedowns that Rivera had, I don't think that same game plan where Munoz looked incredible the last time out is going to work against Aldo. So I think that Aldo's going to neutralize it quite a bit. And I think the most likely outcome here is Aldo outpointing Munoz over the course of three rounds and winning a decision. So I'm going to go with the veteran here. Now, this brings us to the main event of the evening. In the heavyweight division, we have an interim title fight featuring Derek Lewis, who is 25-7, and taking on Cyril Gahn, who is 9-0. Now, Nick... Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Gone up at minus 325, Lewis plus 275. And right now over Circus Sports, we have gone minus 350, the comeback of Lewis at plus 290. So more parlays coming in on gone, more straight bets coming in on Lewis. So this fight will be fairly even at most sports books, I think. Um, might even see most books needing gone by the time the fight goes off, because I think we are going to see a lot of people betting that knockout power from Lewis. And that's exactly the narrative here in this fight. If Derek Lewis wins this fight, he's going to win it by knockout. So if you guys have a prop out there that's plus 400-ish, at circa, it is not plus 400-ish because I understand the fact that most people 
that follow the sport understand the fact that if Lewis is going to win this fight, he's not going to win on the scorecards. He's not going to win by submission. He's going to win by knockout. So get the extra value if you're going to bet Lewis at the plus 400 range. And just take advantage of that. I'm not telling you to go out there and bet Lewis by knockout because I think he's actually going to get knocked out himself. But that being said, if you're going to bet Lewis, that's the way to bet him. Do not bet the plus 290s. Do not bet the 70s out there. Why would you do that? Bet the plus 400-ish range if you're going to do that. Now, that being said, I do respect Lewis. I think he's a dangerous opponent. This fight is in Houston. He's got a little bit extra motivation if he even needs it here in this spot. And he's been kind of playing the part pretty well. But Gunn is by far the better striker here. He's by far the more talented mixed martial artist here. I've liked what I've seen throughout his career. And he continues to show me his improvements despite people wanting to believe that he's a boring doll fighter because he's been decisioning people or whatnot. I mean, he's a very smart fighter. So I think he's going to be able to outpoint Lewis here and he's going to find his spot. He doesn't have to hunt for that knockout to get the knockout in a spot like this. Let's not forget Lewis has showed us times in the past, even though he's tough and he's hard to get out of there, that he is vulnerable, susceptible, especially to the body. So I think the striking of gone is going to end up playing out really well here, especially even if he becomes patient and it's not an exciting fight at first. I think as time progresses throughout the fight, I think we're going to see Gon kind of picking things up and finding that spot to finish Lewis as well. So I don't expect this fight to hit the scorecards. I think Gon finishes Lewis before it does, but at minus 350, will I recommend a bet on Gon? Absolutely not. It's heavyweight MMA, and Lewis has showed us time and time again that that one punch is all he needs to end your night and take all your money. So... Minus 350, minus 300, eh, no thanks. I will sit back and watch this fight and watch Gon probably impress once again. That's just kind of my take on this. Um, but hopefully it's an exciting main event. And again, the interim champion will be crowned here in this spot and gets the shot against Ngano, which is going to be exciting. Whoever wins this fight, whether it's Lewis or Gon, I'm looking forward to seeing that fight against Ngano. So the pick for me is Gon. I think he gets it done and continues to impress. And I have to go with Gon as well. I mean... The fact that he has taken on back-to-back-to-back really good strikers in Junior Dos Santos, uh, Rosenstruik, and then most recently Alexander Volkov, and won convincingly all three of those fights, even if the last two weren't the most exciting, um, I mean, that just speaks volumes. I mean, those fights really weren't even close. Uh, So... And all three of those guys are better strikers than Derek Lewis. Now, Derek Lewis has the most ridiculous power outside of Francis Ngannou in the heavyweight division. Uh, so it only takes one punch. So Gon has to be careful. I think I saw something that was kind of funny that in training, Gon was like having some of his sparring partners just wing haymakers at him out of all different sorts of angles to prepare him for Lewis because Lewis doesn't fight the most technically sound strategy. That's just not his game. Uh, but what he does have is that immense power where all it takes is that one shot and it's worked for him. Uh, I mean, time and time again, uh, he's been in a fight where he was losing and then he came back and landed that monster shot. Uh, whether it was that uppercut most recently against blades, uh, or the Volkov knockout where 10 seconds away from losing a decision, uh, ends up knocking him out cold. So the guy is super talented and you cannot discount the power ever. Um, but you do have to side with technique and Cyril Gan is so technically sound. I mean, he absolutely deserves to be, uh, fighting for the belt at this point. Um, and this, while I don't really think this is, I mean, say what you want about this being the interim title or whatever. Uh, this guy clearly is good enough to be fighting for a belt. Um, and Lewis is on a nice stretch too. So, uh, but this could be that really nice feather in Gon's cap. And I think that's what happens. I mean, I think he just picks apart Lewis, uh, until he finds that opening and finishes him. Um, he just has to avoid making that mistake and getting caught because, uh, that's what Lewis does. Um, but as Nick said, Lewis has vulnerabilities. Uh, we've seen him get TKO'd by Mark Hunt. We've seen him get TKO'd, knocked out by uh, Junior Dos Santos. Earlier in his career in the UFC, he got lost to Matt Mitrione and Sean Jordan by knockout. Um, you know, If you are a good athletic striker with good technique, you should be able to not just win, but finish Derek Lewis. 
Uh, you just have to be careful about that big shot. I mean, there's really nothing else to say. Uh, Ghani also is significantly better than Lewis on the ground. He just has to avoid getting on his back for some reason, uh, because Lewis has some of the most devastating ground and pound in MMA history. So, uh, but I just don't see Ghani, Ghan being on his back in this fight either, unless he gets clipped. So I'm going to go with Ghan. Uh, but if you are betting Lewis, bet the Lewis by knockout prop, because that is literally the only way he can win this fight. He cannot win a decision. He is not going to win by submission. Uh, so that being said, my pick is gone. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC 265. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOB Premium on Twitter, because that's where we'll post them first. We can all, you can also check out the free bets tab on MMAOddsbreaker.com. Uh, we currently have a free bet from Mike's MMA Picks on MMA Oddsbreaker. So remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.